we got another day of NBA action. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every night a watch party only on FanDuel. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The British government has updated its list of warning signs of political radicalization to include reading books by C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, George Orwell, Joseph Conrad, and Aldous Huxley. Narnia, Lord of the Rings, 1984, Heart of Darkness, Brave New World. If you are a Brit who reads the classic novelists of the 20th century, novelists who specifically focused on Christianity and the threats of totalitarianism and dystopia, the current dystopian totalitarian government considers you a potential terrorist. There's a nonfiction list too, according to The Spectator. Other authors whose work resonates with the radical far right include Thomas Hobbes, John Locke, Edmund Burke, Thomas Carlyle, Adam Smith, and Shakespeare. I guess there's some nonfictions, mostly fiction, but he wrote the histories too, didn't he? In other words, if you are in any way cultured, if you have read any political work, any 20th century literary work, any of that that really matters at all, even if all you've read is John Locke, the father of liberalism, you are by today's standards a radical right winger, which when you think about it is probably true. And it's not the only part that's true. The British government is keeping an eye on people who read those books because the government fears that those books undermine the current regime in Britain, certainly, but let's say throughout the Anglosphere, really throughout the whole West. And we laugh and we mock and we call the liberals paranoid and crazy. But on that point too, on the threat from these classic works to our current forms of government, the liberal regime is right. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. Speaking of the Brits coming up, we've got Elon Musk giving a masterclass in how to handle the liberal media, especially in this case, the BBC. We'll get to that in just a little bit. First though, conservatives don't take this stuff seriously enough. We, we laugh at the libs, we mock them, we call them snowflakes, we talk about how crazy it is. We talk about the double standards. We say, all oh, these wacky libs, they, can you believe they want to ban C.S. Lewis? Tee hee hee. Right. Why do they want to ban C.S. Lewis? Because they say that reading C.S. Lewis is a sign that you are politically radicalized against the current regime, which is true. We live under regimes that are extremely hostile to Christianity, that are increasingly totalitarian, that are sending us hurtling into dystopian societies. We're living under regimes that celebrate the killing, here in the United States, celebrate the killing of 800,000 babies per year, and which completely redefine marriage, and which 
dissolve, like an acid being poured onto the structures of society, dissolve the basic political institutions, and which now chop off the body parts of children, which now castrate children and pretend men can be women and women can become men. Yeah, reading C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and the great writers of our civilization is going to pose a threat to that regime because reading those authors is going to remind people of the truth and it's going to shine a light on the lies that we're being told by the regimes we're living under. This is a threat. The libs are wrong about pretty much everything. That's the topic of my speech coming up tonight at the University of Wisconsin-Superior. They're wrong about pretty much everything, but they're pretty good at politics. (laughs) The one thing they're not wrong at is political tactics to wield political power. You can expect these sorts of lists here in the United States. Conservatives, we point out how crazy it is that we've kicked the Bible out of schools and we've inserted gay porn into schools. Yeah, it's bad for kids' education, but it's not just a wacky, weird accident that the libs did that. The libs did that for a purpose, which is to advance their agenda and wield political power, and it's worked out pretty well for them. Now, speaking of the Brits, President Biden just... Uh, just arrived. He, he's on a tarmac. He gets off an airplane. At the bottom of the tarmac is the prime minister of the United Kingdom, Rishi Sunak. And the interaction between Biden and Sunak, just absolutely chef's kiss, perfect. President Joseph R. Biden, the 46th president of the United States, making his way down the steps to be greeted from Biden behind walking down the steps. Limo. Okay, shakes Sunak's yeah. hand. Then immediately pushes him to the side and starts talking to someone else. And then speaks for a much longer time to this other guy who seems like a kind of interesting guy. He's got a kind of a funny hat on, but is probably not as important a political figure in the UK as Rishi Sunak. What are the odds that Joe Biden knew who Rishi Sunak was in this situation? Zero? Nothing? Hey, ah, yeah, hey, what's going on there? Get out of my way, Jack. I got to talk to cool hat guy. Hey, I like that hat. Jack, you want to scratch my legs, kiddo? Let's go. Let's get some ice cream. Come on. Huh? What are the odds? I'm not joking about it. I don't, I am not convinced that Joe Biden knew who the prime minister of the United Kingdom was in that clip. I don't really like Rishi Sunak, so I think it's kind of funny that President Biden was rude to him. Rishi Sunak is kind of a big lib. But it's less funny when you consider that this is the man who is supposedly leading the free world, Biden, not Sunak, and when you consider that we're on the brink, potentially, of World War III. I don't throw those words around all that lightly. I know there are many conservatives who are always catastrophizing about how the nuclear bombs are about to start flying. We are closer to World War III now than we've been any time since the Cuban Missile Crisis, certainly, and probably any time since World War II. A genuine world war, because you've got the first major war in Europe breaking out, because Joe Biden screwed up foreign policy in Ukraine, and then because you've got a potential war in the Pacific breaking out, because Joe Biden is screwing up foreign policy over Taiwan. So, and it's not just Biden's fault. Liberals in the foreign policy establishment have completely mishandled both of those issues for years, if not decades at this point. But personnel does matter. Personnel is policy, as they say in Washington. And that personnel includes the president of the United States. And if you've got a president who 
doesn't know who world leaders are, who is bungling foreign policy just as he's bungling this interaction with the leader of Great Britain. That is not a good situation for us to be in. One good thing we could do on this subject and just broadly is to pray a lot more. That's why you got to check out Hallow. Right now, go to hallow.com slash Knowles. Building a habit of prayer can help you cultivate an attitude of gratitude. Focusing on what you're thankful for can increase positive emotions and improve overall well-being. Hallow is the number one Christian prayer app in the United States. It's helped all of us to maintain a daily prayer routine, and it can help you too. Download the app for free at hallow.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. You can set prayer reminders and track your progress along the way. Not sure where to start? Using Hallow to connect with others who share your beliefs and values can provide a sense of belonging, support, and foster a sense of community. With Hallow, you can customize a personal prayer plan that works for you. Listen wherever you are with downloadable offline sessions. Download Hallow at hallow.com slash Knowles. Get an exclusive three months free, which will carry you right through this Easter season. That is three months absolutely free at hallow.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Do not put it off any longer. You are a being made in the image and likeness of God. You owe God prayer. Hello.com slash Knowles. President Trump, the leader of the opposition, who for now is not wearing an orange jumpsuit, he's come out and he said he doesn't see how this Joe Biden could possibly run for president in 2024. Do you think Biden will stay in the race? Look, uh, I I watch him just like you do. And I think it's almost inappropriate for me to say it. I don't see how it's possible. But there's something wrong. I saw his answer today on television about whether or not he was going to run to a very nice guy named Al Roker. When you can't get a softer question than that, that was a long answer. (sighs) Talking about the eggs and the this and that. Look, (laughs) I don't think he can. I don't think that this is President Trump simply performing care, you know, concern trolling over Joe Biden's health. One of the delightful aspects of Trump, which is also one of his weaknesses, so many of his strengths are his weaknesses, is that he's unvarnished. He just says what he thinks. And he, he speaks in an almost stream of consciousness. And that's what you see here. I think this is sincere. And he says, look, it's kind of, kind of inappropriate for me to say, I don't think he can. Something is very wrong with this guy. That's not just a cheap political attack. That's not the kind of rhetoric that has been focus tested. He's just saying what we're all thinking. In fact, not only is one of Trump's great strengths and weaknesses his own stream of consciousness, what really makes that a strength is that, especially in the 2016 campaign, he was our stream of consciousness too. He was just the sort of unvarnished id of the American people saying the things that we all know to be true that no one had been allowed to say in politics for a long time up until that point. But but I don't think Trump is right on the point here. When Trump says, how can he run for president? I think it's very simple how he can run for president. They just sit him in his chair in his living room and the liberal establishment goes to work in exactly the same way that it did in 2020. In 2020, Joe Biden pretty much did not campaign. He would have a dozen, two dozen people at his campaign events on the rare occasions he would have them. The rest of the time he sat on his front porch and the liberal media did the work for him. 
It was a little easier in 2020 because the liberals had the COVID excuse to, to justify why Biden wasn't, wasn't campaigning. But now they just won't have him campaign. We're in a, in a moment of such transparent partisanship that I'm not sure it really matters. Plus, with all the changes to the election system, I'm not totally convinced that if Joe Biden is anywhere even close to within striking distance, that the, the Democrats would not be able to make the numbers work and then sit on the ballot box to, to quote Franklin Roosevelt giving advice on how to steal elections to one of his mentees, Lyndon Baines Johnson. This is explained in the Robert Caro biography of LBJ. I'm not convinced. There, there have always been extra measures that the liberal establishment can use to take elections. And I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced that Joe Biden, who doesn't know what, what his name is, Joe Biden, who doesn't know which end is up, Joe Biden, who, who doesn't understand who the prime minister of the United Kingdom is on a trip to the UK. I'm not convinced that that, uh, that guy can't run for president without running at all. Now, there are new candidates in the race. Every day, it seems, there are new candidates running for president, especially in the Republican field. I am, and I've maintained this from the beginning, I am going to be the only Republican left in America who will not be running for president in 2024. The reason for that, of course, is that I will be constitutionally ineligible. Although these days, the Constitution doesn't seem to limit a lot of political action. The great thing about that is I guess I'll be the only person eligible to moderate the debates because I'll be the only Republican not on the stage. So, drum roll please, who is our new candidate in the race? Senator Tim Scott. On this day, April 12th, 1861, in this harbor, the first shots of the Civil War were fired. And our country faced the defining moment. Would we truly be one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all? Joe Biden and the radical left have chosen a culture of grievance over greatness. They're promoting victimhood instead of personal responsibility. And they're indoctrinating our children to believe we live in an evil country. And all too often, when they get called out for their failures, they weaponize race to divide us, to hold on to their power. When I fought back against their liberal agenda, they called me a prop, a token, because I disrupt their narrative. I threaten their control. They know the truth of my life disproves their lies. See, I was raised by a single mother in poverty. The spoons in our apartment were plastic, not silver. The ad goes on, it goes on for three minutes, and after the biographical features, Senator Scott gets to his issue positions, which are pretty standard Republican issue positions. The ad opens up leaning on race, as you just saw. So that's the the opening pitch to voters is, the liberals hate me especially because I'm a black guy. And as you all know, black conservatives are one of the most detested groups by the liberal establishment. Look what they do to Clarence Thomas. Look what they do to Candace Owens. They do the same thing to me. And I, uh, by virtue of being a black conservative, disrupt the liberal narrative. So that's one advantage that I, Tim Scott, have over the other people in the race. Nikki Haley had a similar message at her lead out in that declaration video. Nikki said, uh, I'm, I'm a woman. I'm a strong woman. 
this is unusual, the libs don't really like that, and when I'm taking names and kicking people in the teeth, it's going to be a lot better when I'm wearing high heels. That was the pitch. Uh, Then Senator Scott goes on and issues this opening salvo to say that I'm, I'm forming an exploratory committee, which is the first step to start running. It's a well-produced ad. It's not that Tim Scott is, has not prepared for this. He has. And we've known that Senator Scott is going to run for president ever since his publisher leaked that information at this point, what, a year ago? At least six months ago it was. And then at that time, Senator Scott's office came out and said, no, we're not. We don't have any plans to run for president. Why did you stupid publisher leak this information now? And, but, but we all knew that he was going to run. When people when politicians put books out during an election cycle, it means almost all the time, not 100% of the time, but almost all the time, that they're going to run for president. The problem with the ad is it just feels dated. This feels to me like a 2012 ad. And it feels to me, if this is all we know about the campaign, like a 2012 campaign, which is you're starting to get slicker more highly produced media, but it's not, it's just, it's like a TV ad. But we don't live in the era of TV anymore. We live in not even the era of social media. At this point, we live in the hyper-reality of the metaverse. We live in in even shorter, punchier content. We're not in the age of YouTube really anymore. I mean, we are right here in the sense that many of you are watching this on YouTube, but we're in the age of YouTube shorts. Right, we're not in the age of Facebook. We're in the age of Instagram video where everything's really tight and cut and fresh. And Trump was both a symptom of this and one of the causes of it, one of the motivators, where Trump blew open the traditional script on politics. Trump ran a campaign that was in many ways a meta campaign. It was a political campaign about political campaigns. If you remember in 2016, Trump comes out and he says, look, I know I'm not, I don't sound really presidential. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to put on my necktie and I'm supposed to say, beep, bop, boom, and this, but I'm not going to do any of that, you know, and it, that was very refreshing. It's very difficult then in, in the post-Trump age, when Trump himself is still running for president, to go back to the old script that, that he was making fun of. You, you saw this with Chris Christie and Marco Rubio in the 2016 race, when Marco Rubio made some focus-tested comment, and Chris Christie said, you know, this is the worst part of these politicians who give the 30-second canned response that they've had a team of consultants write up. And Rubio felt called out, as he was, and so Rubio tried to respond to Christie, but he couldn't do it extemporaneously. He couldn't do it off the cuff, so he, he just went back to the very same 30-second canned response that he had previously said that led Christie to make fun of him. And so Christie totally pounced on him and said, there it is. There's that line. Ha ha. And from that moment, Rubio looked like yesterday's news. He looked like a stale old candidate and it, it ruined his campaign. So can Tim Scott break himself out of that? I don't know. I think he's a really nice guy. I like Tim Scott a lot. He's been on, I don't know. I guess he hasn't been on this show. He has been on verdict with Senator Cruz when I hosted that show. And uh, so he'll have a role in the race, but if he doesn't figure out a way to make the race about 2024 rather than about a typical old political ad and political messaging, I'm not sure he'll go very far. Now, 
Campaigns are not dead yet. The campaigns are just getting started, but you will be dead and sooner than you think, which is why you got to check out Epic Will. Right now, go to epicwill.com, use promo code Knowles. There are certain things in life that you do to protect your family. You get life insurance, you save for a rainy day fund, and you write a will. Epic Will is not for people who are already wealthy with a massive estate. Those people need an attorney. Epic Will is for people who are building their estate and building their wealth. It is for people who are just getting started. Epic Will provides a simple and secure platform to create a legally binding will in minutes. With their user-friendly interface, you can easily customize your will and ensure that your assets are distributed according to your wishes. Unlike traditional law firms that charge high fees for will drafting, Epic Will services are affordable and transparent. No hidden costs or surprises. All you need to do is fill out their step-by-step form. They will help you create your last will and testament, living will, health care, and financial power of attorney in as little as five minutes and for just 119 bucks. Do not put this off any longer. Make sure that your stuff and your money and your kids especially are taken care of when you die, which will happen sooner than you think. Go to epicwill.com. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to save 10% on Epic Will's complete will package. That is epicwill.com. Promo code Knowles. The wait is over. The yes or no pre-order is complete. Games are shipping now. You can order right now at dailywire.com shop. Games are going quickly and supplies will not last. The last time we did this, we sold out instantly. We are a little bit worried that we cannot make these fast enough, so we're not going to just sell infinite numbers right now. We are selling what we've got. Order now to secure your copy. Then we'll have to do another pre-order when these all sell out. Now is not the time to back out, unlike a certain purveyor of trans ideology. This is something you do not want to miss out on. Order Yes or No, the game, only available at dailywire.com slash shop. We have another candidate in the race. That's right. If you're not feeling Tim Scott Mentum, well, that's okay. There's another candidate who's going to fill in more of the clubbable moderate land in the race. You know who that is? Mitt Romney. Speaking of 2012 (laughs) campaigns, speaking of deja vu all over again, Senator Mitt Romney took his first step toward launching a uh, re-election campaign by submitting a uh, declaration of candidacy to the Federal Election Commission Uh, But the Utah senator stopped short of confirming that he would run for another term. So this is Mitt Romney saying, okay, I'm maybe going to run for re-election as senator in Utah, uh, but is leaving that open. Now, the question is, will Romney run for president in 2024? And he just keeps saying, I'm keeping my options open. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just want to start being able to raise money. We'll see how things go. Uh, Romney has been pretty coy about his future plans. And he's right to be kind of coy because everybody, I mean everybody, is going to run for president in 2024. And so when Romney says, I don't know, am I going to run for Senate? Am I not going to run for Senate? What am I going to do? Maybe I'll retire. Maybe, well, we'll just see. We'll reevaluate the field. He is keeping that option open. If he did choose to run for president in 2024. This would be very bad news for candidates like Nikki Haley, for candidates like Tim Scott, who are running more in the moderate lane. I'm not saying Mitt Romney would get the Republican nomination. That would be hard to imagine. But we are in uncharted territory. 
So everyone who thinks Trump's got this totally locked up, everyone who thinks Trump is toast and DeSantis has this totally locked up, everyone, and this seems like almost all Republicans now, who think, well, it's going to be one of those two guys. We are in uncharted territory, folks. The libs are arresting the leader of the opposition. We're, we're going to have a field of about a bazillion candidates. Even rummentum, rummentum is not unthinkable. Now, speaking of management consultants, Anheuser-Busch has lost over $6.5 billion of market cap after their embrace of Dylan Mulvaney and trans ideology. Uh, the shares of Anheuser-Busch InBev dropped nearly 5% after Mulvaney announced that Bud Light deal, wiping out $6.65 billion of market capitalization. Before the conservatives start celebrating, remember, this might just be temporary. Okay, boycotts are really, really hard, especially against big established companies with a zillion brands like Anheuser-Busch, because you need to pursue them over the long haul. When conservatives can focus their fire on one company in particular that maybe is not the largest company, and you can maintain that over a long period of time, like, for instance, the conservative revolt against Harry's razors that led to the creation of the finest razor product in the world, Jeremy's razors. When when you can do that, the boycotts can be effective. But when you're just angry about a video with a transvestite from your beer company, you might stop buying the beer for a week or two, but eventually, very often, the companies will be able to survive that. However, in this case, Anheuser-Busch is clearly worried, as we've got new headlines today, that the Bud Light leadership did not know about this. This was done behind their backs by lower-level people in marketing, and they're investigating everything right now. According to anonymous sources in the media, no one at the senior level of the company was aware of Bud Light's polarizing partnership with Mulvaney. The company is looking into pausing those marketing efforts. They're trying to implement a more robust process for evaluating future influencer partnerships. That, to me, that anonymous source to the journos, that doesn't read like, an, like someone just leaking information from the boardroom. What that reads to me is a crisis consulting team was brought in to Bud Light to figure out what the hell to do about this because the backlash against Dylan Mulvaney was far greater than Bud Light expected. But I don't buy this stuff for a second. No one at the senior level knew about this. Give me a break. This contradicts what Bud Light had previously said. Bud Light had already issued a statement defending the Mulvaney sponsorship decision. The, the VP of marketing at Bud Light had, had on video touted her mandate to make the brand more inclusive. But even, okay, let's say she's a rogue VP at the company. The company itself issued a statement. The company issued a statement confirming the partnership with Mulvaney and describing it as an attempt to, quote, authentically connect with audiences across various demographics and passion points. And that didn't play. The initial sponsorship didn't play very well, certainly among a lot of Bud Light's audience. Then the doubling down on it didn't play very well. And so I'm sure they've just brought in a crisis consulting team to say, okay, here's how you've got to back away from this. And it's, it's brilliantly done by whichever crisis consultant, communications consultant uh, wrote this up. Because Bud Light 
If, if Bud Light doubles down, as they did with their statement, on the Mulvaney partnership, then they alienate their core base of frat boys and construction workers and regular dudes who like to drink a domestic beer at the bar. But if Bud Light runs away from Mulvaney, they'll irritate the liberal mob, which does not represent the Bud Light customer base, but which wields all the political power in the country. So then Bud Light could be canceled for that, and they'll, they'll find themselves in a worse mire than they were before. So what do they do? They, they create what I am convinced is a false conflict between the senior leadership and the people at the lower level. And they say they're looking into this and they're investigating this. So they get credit among the conservatives for saying, yeah, this is crazy. We, we agree with you conservatives. But they don't arouse the ire of the liberals because they portray this as, well, the young, the young people at Anheuser-Busch are turning this thing around and they support trans rights and just hold on a little longer. And those senior people, they'll have aged out of the company and there, there will be. This is classic crisis communications consultant gobbledygook from a company that is scrambling to make sense of a very bad decision, but a company that has not learned a damn thing about why people are a little miffed that, that Bud Light is using a basic beer for normal people to shove this insane transgender ideology down our throats. Now, speaking of sex stuff, there is some great news. We always talk about really bad news when it comes to weird sex stuff in America because the libs are using sex all the time to push their radical agenda. But here's some great news. 32,000 Americans are alive today because of the courage and clarity, legal and moral clarity, of Supreme Court justices in the Dobbs decision. 32,000 fewer abortions took place in the six months after the Dobbs decision. This, according to a left-wing nonprofit, the Society of Family Planning, that believes in abortion, that totally supports the infanticide abortion. The report from them, or the abortion infanticide rather, the report found that there were an average of 5,377 fewer abortions in the U.S. each month in the six-month following Dobbs. There has been a decrease in the abortion rate, not to zero, as the liberals warned would happen and as should be the case, but the dip was from 13.2 abortions per 1,000 women of reproductive age per month to 12.3. So it's a, it's a dip. Not nearly as deep as one would like, but it's a dip. It's significant. And every, every one of these Americans who is saved from murder in the womb is a cause for national celebration. Saving just one of these people, convincing just one, one woman not to have an abortion, allowing just one person to have life, that great gift of life that you cherish so much, that is a greater achievement than everything most of us will do in our entire lives. Just one, if you can pray outside of an abortion clinic and you can persuade one woman not to kill her kid and that kid gets to have a life, that is a greater achievement than most of us will achieve in our entire lives. And there are 32,000 people just within the six months after, after the Dobbs decision who will have that gift. 32,000 of those great achievements basically a miracle in a country such as ours. That's really something worth celebrating. Another thing worth celebrating, getting your propane tank swapped out easily. It's why you got to check out Cinch. 
Right now, head on over to cinch.com, use promo code Knowles. It's starting to get a little bit warmer over there in Tennessee. Friends and neighbors are already breaking out the old barbecues, taking the grill pill. The last thing you want to be doing when you're getting ready for the weekend cookout is driving around trying to find a place to refill your propane grill tank. That's why you need Cinch. Cinch is a propane grill tank home delivery service. They deliver propane tanks right to your door. Cinch delivers on your schedule. No long-term commitment or subscription is required. You can do it just as a one-off when you need propane. Plus, delivery is completely contactless. You don't have to be home to receive the delivery. You can track the order on the Cinch app from anywhere. Go online to cinch.com, C-Y-N-C-H.com, or download their app to order. New customers can get their first tank exchange for just $10 with promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Go to cinch.com or download the Cinch app and use promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, to get your first tank exchange for just $10. C-Y-N-C-H dot com, promo code Knowles. Limited time offer. You must live within a cinch service area to redeem it. Visit cinch.com slash offer for details. My favorite comment yesterday is from Katie Jacobs, who says, can't wait to see you tomorrow. I go to UWS, University of Wisconsin-Superior, and had no idea about this event. They suppressed information when Matt Walsh came to the campus too. Many such cases. I've heard this. This semester, because the libs are so furious at me for saying that boys and girls are different, uh, people have generally known when I'm on campus because the libs and Antifa and the trans activists have not stopped screaming about it since the events were announced. But sometimes what they do is they'll pull down the flyers and they'll, they will keep a lid on these things or they'll go in and they'll reserve all the tickets for the event so that they can either not show up or they can stage a walkout when they do show up and the people who want to get into the event. Some people who have traveled a great distance by car, some people even fly in for these things, won't be able to go see the event. So I would recommend tonight, if you haven't been able to get a ticket, if it says it's sold out, and you've got some free time, maybe try to show up, wait in the standby line, see if you can get in. Uh, It should be a lot of fun. I'll be flying out very shortly after this show. Okay, speaking of lies from the liberal establishment, Elon Musk has just offered an absolute masterclass in how to handle the powerful establishment libs. And he did so in an interview with the BBC. I just want to go moment by moment to enjoy this delectable lesson in rhetoric. Describe a hateful thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, just content that will solicit a a reaction, something that may include something that is slightly racist or slightly sexist, those kinds of those kinds of things. So you think if something is slightly sexist, it should be banned? No, is that what you're saying? So the the conversation begins with with the accusation that under Elon Musk's pro free speech or more pro free speech Twitter reign. There's more hateful content on the site. That's the meme. That's the talking point from the liberal establishment. So how does Elon begin? He doesn't say, how dare you? I didn't do that. That's a lie. And X, Y, and Z, here are the reasons why. He says, what's an example? Give me just one example of the thing that you're talking about. Or, Or give me a more precise description. And the BBC journalist says, well, you know... If something's sort of slightly racist or sexist. And so then Elon takes the free speech approach. He says, you're telling me if something is 
slightly sexist. He doesn't focus on race because being called a racist is the worst thing you can be called in our culture. He focuses on sex. He says, something is slightly sexist, whatever that means. Is it sexist to say men and women are different? Is it sexist to say men and women aren't different? Is, what does that even mean? Then you're telling me it should be banned. The BBC Journal says, well, no, not, not exactly. Not saying anything. I'm saying. Well, I'm just curious. What you, I'm, I'm trying to understand what you mean by hateful con- content. And I'm asking for specific examples. Um, and if, and you just said that if something is slightly sexist, that's hateful content. Does that mean that it should be banned? Well, you've asked me. You've asked me whether my feed, whether it's got less or more. It, I'd say it's got slightly more. That's why I'm asking for examples. Can, right. you, can you name one example? Okay, but pause there. This is this is a key. So Elon Musk begins by asking really for just more of a definition of what the guy's talking about. But then the guy brings up his own experience. So the BBC guy can't give a better definition or a better description because he's just parroting mindlessly the establishment talking point. Beep boop, Twitter more hateful, South African man bad. So awful what they do to Elon Musk, one of the most prominent African Americans in the world, and these racist whites, they just attack him. It's a point for another time. So Elon says, okay, well, now that you've brought your own Twitter feed into this, forget about giving me a better description. Give me a concrete example of what you're talking about. Because Elon is, is inferring here. He's suspecting that, hold on, this guy, he's starting to change his story a little bit. I'm going to press even harder. Honestly, don't you? Honestly, I don't. You can't name a single example. I'll tell you why. Because I don't actually use that for you feed anymore. Because I, I just don't particularly like it. Actually, a lot of people, a lot of people are quite similar. I, I I only, I only look at my my followers. You said you've seen more hateful content. Hold on. Now there it is. Now, now Elon's got him. So (laughs) he says, "What describe hateful content? Well, you know, sort of if it's a little bit like this or that, uh, this or that. Can you?" Can you go further? Well, I've just noticed in my own feed, you know, it's it, my Twitter feed is much more hateful. Oh, okay. Well, what's what's a concrete example of that? Well, actually, I don't really use my Twitter feed. So now Elon's got him because now he's just caught this guy in a lie. The lie is I've noticed that my Twitter feed has gotten more hateful. It says, okay, show me an example. Oh, I actually don't use my Twitter feed. Oh, so now I can't trust a word that you're saying. And one of the keys that allowed Elon to suspect that that's what's going on here is that the the BBC guy was talking in very vague terms and he was always hedging his bets. Oh, it's slightly sexist. Oh, it's a little more hateful. Well, I've just kind of noticed. Okay, that's a sign. You have no idea what you're talking about. And on top of that, you're a liar. So now Elon just destroys this guy with facts and logic. In a single example, not even one. I'm not sure I've used that feed for the last three or four weeks. And I, well, I then how did you see the hateful content? Content? Because I've been I've been using I've been using Twitter since you've taken it over for the last six months. Okay, so then you must have at some point seen the you, for you hateful content. And I'm asking for one example. Right. And you I, can't I, give a single and, one. And, and, and I'm saying I, I, then I, I say so that you don't know what you're talking about. Really? Yes, because you can't give me a single example of hateful con- content. Not even one tweet. And yet you claimed that the hateful content was high. Well, that's a false. No, what I claimed, you just lied. What no no? What I claim was 
there are many uh, organizations that say that that kind of information is on the rise. Now, whether whether it has on my feed or not. Okay, and there it is. Huh? Now he's changed his story again. So Elon just asks a very basic question. How have you seen an uptick in hateful content if you haven't seen anything in your Twitter feed? Well, no, I just, no, because I used it before. Yeah, you used it before you're alleging an uptick in hateful content. And you, by the way, you can't even give me one example from that period of time. So what are you talking about? And then what's he do? He changes the story again. He goes, no, well, I've just, I've just read reports, you know, from these liberal, from these other liberal sources and the reports say it. So I'm just... I'm going to restate that as fact, and I'm going to lie and pretend it's been my own experience. But yeah, it's from liberal outlets that hate you. He goes on. And if you look at something like the the, uh, Strategic Dialogue uh, Institute in the the UK, they will say that. So Look, people will say all sorts of nonsense. I'm literally asking for a single example, and you can't name one. Right. And as as People will say all sorts of nonsense. this, This BBC guy, I think he's being sincere in his disregard for the truth. I think he comes by that honestly. He comes by his dishonestly honestly. He thinks, well, that's just, no, that's just how all people talk. We just recite the liberal talking points. I didn't do it consciously. I just, that's just what I do. And then I, well, no, I, but it, everybody's saying it. It's the, that's what the outlets are. That's what beep. It's like, it's like Elon broke his brain. And, and what does Elon say? He says, yeah, well, people say all sorts of nonsense. So like when, when, now that I'm on the road, I'm going to these college campuses, when I talk to a young liberal, especially on an issue like transgenderism, which is so manifestly absurd, but which the liberal establishment has doubled and tripled and quadrupled down on, they'll look at me with this pitiful stare. They'll look at me and, and they, they won't have anything to say because they'll, they'll, all they'll be able to say is, but I was told this was true. I, but everybody Everybody says this is true, that men can be women. The answer to which is exactly what Elon said here. Yeah, people say all sorts of nonsense. It doesn't make it true. How is it true? Give me any example. And the poor BBC guy, you all, he's a liar, but you, you almost feel for him because he's just he's squirming, trying to dig himself out of this hole of lies that he's dug for himself use that feed. But let's, well, then how let, would you know? Let, that I don't you, think this is getting anywhere. You literally said you experienced more hateful content and then couldn't name a single example. Right. And as I said, I, That's haven't, absurd. I, haven't, I haven't actually looked at that feed. I then how would you know this hateful weeks. content? Because I'm saying that's what I saw a few weeks ago. I can't give you an exact example. Let's move on. We, have, we only have a certain amount of time. Um, <laughs> well, how, yeah, let's move on. That's, that's probably your best bet. I haven't actually seen it, but no, I did see it, but I didn't. But I read a report and I heard it from a person. And anyway, let's move on. And Elon's response is just perfect. Wow. Wow. Elon Musk is more intelligent than most people in public life. Probably pretty much anybody in public life. He's, he's up there, okay? But Elon Musk talks in really plain terms. That is a sign of intelligence. And what the, a lot of people are loath to do that because a lot of conservatives feel intimidated by the liberals. The liberals will use all these fancy words, all this academic jargon. They've got all their studies. Oh, we have our studies that can show you absurd things that we know are not true. 
And so a lot of people don't want to speak in plain language. The smartest people throughout all of history have by and large spoken in really plain language. Plato writes in a way that is clear and concise and can be understood by a 15-year-old just as much as by a 50-year-old. It's, it's the people who use all sorts of silly jargon and who try to dance around facts and coin all these neologisms. Th- those are the people who you've got to watch out for. And so when Elon Musk speaks in these plain terms, that, that's how we all ought to speak. Why is, why is transgenderism wrong? Because men can't be women. But you don't even understand about the gender expression and all. You've probably never even read Foucault. Well, I have, but even if I hadn't, I don't need to read some 20th century weirdo to know what we all know to be true intuitively. Just those plain words. Even at that very end of the very end of the interview. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, despite the lackluster economy, actually maybe because of the lackluster economy, the Daily Wire is thriving. Not only that, we are hiring. We're currently looking for a video editor to join our fast-growing post-production team. This person will get the opportunity to work on a variety of content, including our daily podcasts, long-form interviews, YouTube videos, as well as shows like Ben Shapiro's Debunked, documentaries from Jordan Peterson, and more. Four-plus years of professional video editing experience and familiarity in working at a very fast-paced environment with high turnaround times is required. A link to your reel is required for consideration. The position is based in Nashville, Tennessee. For more information and to apply, go to dailywire.com careers. That is dailywire.com careers. You know, I'm, I'm pretty fascinated with AI, even though I, I am somewhat fearful that demons are infecting AI. And I'm, I'm not to say fearful, but I'm prepared for AI to take my job as well as all of your jobs. And I do think it could lead us to a techno dystopia in which the machines just come around shooting us all. But I'm nevertheless fascinated by it. We have got a great AI challenge coming up from Mr. Davies over on the member block. So much to get to, so much more I had to say today. We'll get to a little bit in the member block. We'll get to a lot more tomorrow, and we'll get to a little bit tonight at UW Superior. If you're not a member, become one at dailywire.com slash Knowles, promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Get two months free on all annual plans. See you over at the member block. Right now, go to preborn.com slash Knowles. Last year, because of you, Preborn's network of clinics saved over 58,000 babies. Thank you to all who made this possible. We need to celebrate these precious babies. When Charlotte found out she was pregnant, she was seven weeks along. In the back of her mind, she thought abortion was the best solution. She went into a preborn clinic, and after hearing her baby's heartbeat and seeing her beautiful baby on ultrasound, she chose life. Her heart is filled with gratitude for all of you who made this possible. Just 28 bucks a month can be the difference between the life and death of a child. When a mother meets her baby on ultrasound and hears that heartbeat, it is a divine connection that doubles a baby's chance at life. Let's join together, help mothers choose life. To donate, dial pound 250, say keyword baby. That's keyword baby, or go to preborn.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Preborn fundraises separately 
for all the administrative costs. So every dollar you give goes straight towards saving babies. Go to preborn.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, and donate right now.